It's wonderful to see you all and um, to see you made your way through the cold to get here this morning. And uh, I, I just know the Lord is going to speak to us as we come to His Word. We're in the third week in a series of messages that um, we've called Half Brother because we're looking at the book of James, which was written by the half brother of Jesus. And, um, and, and it's a wonderful book. We're actually today going to chapter 2 of the book of James, and um, we'll be looking at the verses 14 through 26. Um, But let me just say this, you know, a few weeks back, there was a celebration that took place, an anniversary um, of 70 years since the liberation of prisoners from the concentration camps in Auschwitz and also in Dachau in Poland. Uh, You remember those terrible torture camps. Um, To this day, the words that are over the entrance to the camp um, are words that um, gave hope to people as they went in, even though there was no hope. I I want you to see these words. We're going to put the picture on the screen. Those words are, of course, in German, and they say, Arbeit macht frei. Uh, I know I just murdered the German language, but um, those words mean work makes free. And the whole thought was that the harder you work within the camp, so liberation will come and freedom will come. It, It was an absolute lie. It was a false hope that was given to millions of Jews as they went through those gates The Nazis made them believe that hard work would equal liberation. Uh, But the promised liberation was horrifying suffering and even death, terrible death. Ah, but Mike Fry. I want to tell you one reason why that phrase haunts me today. It is because not only was it the natural physical lie of that generation But it is the spiritual lie that is going about even today in our world. It's a satanic lie and it's a religious lie. It's a false hope, a false dream that many people have in the world. They believe that by good works, by maybe attending church and living a good life, That in the end, they are going to get to heaven. That in the end, they will stand at the gate of heaven and say, you must let me in because look at the works that I did while I was on earth. Look at the good things that I done. Look how many times I attended church. Look at the good people, the people that I helped with goodness. And they will give a huge list of the good deeds that they have done. And they will find those good works to be useless. You see, the fact is, the hope of every false religion is this hope, Arbeit Mike Fry. Work makes free. Every cultish religion, it will preach this thing, that the more you work, the more chance you get to heaven. The more good things you do, the better it will be for you in heaven, when in fact that is totally against the living Word of God. It is only the love of God that liberates people from sin. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ that is good enough to get us to heaven. The fact is there is no other way for man to get to heaven but by faith in Jesus Christ. You see, we do not rely on what we do in order to get eternal life. We rely on what's been done. Jesus died on the cross. He did the work. You just sang the words. It is finished. It is the words of Jesus, the last words of Jesus on the cross. What was he saying? I've done everything that needs to be done for mankind to know forgiveness of sins and for mankind to know that they are going to heaven. So the fact is this, that if you're here this morning and you're feeling, well, when it comes to God and when it comes to heaven, I I, I don't feel good enough. 
Or, or maybe you feel when it comes to God and when it comes to getting to heaven, I've not done enough good works. I've not done enough. Or, or maybe when it comes to God and getting to heaven, you're thinking, well, I'm not worthy enough. I, I, I'm, I'm a nobody and a nothing. I'm not worthy enough for God to ever want me or to take me into heaven. I want to tell you that you're sitting amongst a bunch of people who have found out in their own lives we are never good enough, we've never done enough, we're never worthy enough. The fact is that we are accepted on the merits of what Jesus did on the cross. He did the work. All the work is his. He has made a way for us to know forgiveness of sin and peace with God. That's the only way we're going to get to heaven. Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ are saying, I rely solely on what Jesus did on the cross. I rely on his blood that has been shed for us. I rely on the fact that he died in my place. That it is that he rescued us from our sin. He gave us eternal life. And when we die, we will go to heaven. Not by works of anything that we have done, but by what he did for us. He has made the way. His will be the glory. His will be the praise. And everyone else will say, Amen to that. Amen. Now, having said that, here comes James, and James is now talking to his church in Jerusalem. James was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, and, and now he comes and, and, and he has a problem with some people. And his problem was this. It was the problem of people who claimed to be Christians, but never showed it by their works. You see, friends, your works will never get you into heaven. You'll only get to heaven by the blood of Jesus. But when you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, once he's become the king of your life, you wanted good works. You, you will find that the more of Jesus is on the inside of you, the more you will be blessing others through your life on the outside of you. The fact is that what Jesus has done on the inside will bleed out and touch people on the outside. James says, it doesn't compute with me. That people say they've come to a faith in Christ, but they're no different in their living and lifestyle from what they were when they were in the world. He says, he says I can't compute that. I can't get my mind around that. That The fact is that if Jesus is on the inside, there should be a difference. There should be a change. I have to admit to you that I look out on some Sunday mornings And I have the same concern. You see, faith always, always, always leads to a changed life. If you put your faith in Christ, your life will be changed. The Bible says it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So we believe from that, that that when we surrender our lives to Christ, new life begins on the inside. The old is gone, the new has come. New life has happened on the inside. I'm not the man that I was. I'm not the man that I used to be because new life has come into me. I have found Jesus in my life and now Jesus has changed my life. We can never ever be the same again. The fact is there has to be changed if Jesus is living in our lives. And unless that happens, there's something wrong. Unless there's a change that takes place, unless there's a difference that happens, then there's something wrong somewhere. And James says to this church, he's the pastor of, uh, to the church in Jerusalem, he says, as I look at our church, we need to do a test. He says, we need to do a test as to whether we're of the faith or not. Because for some of our lives, it's not showing up. We're not seeing it. He says we have a lot to say through our mouths, but it's not now coming through in our actions. And he says, we've got to look at that. We can't just let it be. We've got to begin to look at that. You're saying to this church in Jerusalem, as you read the book, he says, you know, as I look out, he says, we claim to be Christians, but there's partiality here. 
There's a favoring of the rich over the poor. He says, not only that, as I look out, he said, there's discrimination. There's a discrimination between the different ethnic groups that meet together. He says, there, there is this, this unspoken discrimination. And I, listen, friends, if you, you didn't know it, if you want to know what John King feels about discrimination and the way we treat people because they're people of color, it is evil when we do that, when we treat people any differently from ourselves, when we put people down, when we point fingers, we are discriminating, and that's from the devil himself. And you need to know that that is absolutely true. And so James says there's discrimination going on. And he said, not only that, not only that, as I look into the church, he says, all that stuff is leading to gossip that's out of control. He said, the gossip that's going on has got to stop. And as you read his book, as you read the book of James, you find that on and on he goes pointing out where things that should never be happening are happening. And, and so he comes to this point in, in this whole book, and we find it in chapter 2 here where he says, we need, we need to have a test. He says, I call it the faith test. He, he says, there needs to be a test as to whether or not we are really of the faith. He says, there needs to be a test to make sure that we are not just playing games, that we're not just religious people, but that we really have got this living faith in Jesus Christ that changes our lives. And so as you come to chapter 2, from verses 14 through 18, he talks about the test of dead faith. He talks of dead faith. In verse 19, he goes on and he talks about demonic faith. Wow, what's that all about? Demonic faith. And then verses 20 to 26, he talks about dynamic faith. I want to quickly look at them this morning. And I want you to pray right now and say, Holy Spirit, open my heart Oh, Holy Spirit, don't let me just listen to words. But if you've got something to say to me this morning, I want you to say it deep down in my soul. Holy Spirit, I want you to speak deep into my heart. How, how many are prepared to pray a prayer like that right now? I want you to speak deep into my heart. I, I don't want to just stuff on the surface. And, and listen, friends. Uh, it, it's wonderful when you come to unpack the Word of God. I, I tell you why. Um, because if I say something to you this morning and you say, he's really getting in my face. No, I'm not. It's James in his book. And the Holy Spirit is getting in your face because he loves you too much to leave you alone. He wants to come and speak to you. So he talks about dead faith. Let's read about it. It's in verses 14 through 18. This is what it says. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. So James is getting right in their face. The real issue here is not about whether the poor are getting clothing or getting food. The real issue that James is getting to is this. Has my heart been changed by faith in Jesus Christ? Am I thinking any differently now to what I used to think before I came to know Christ? Has my life been changed and now am I responding to things in the way that Jesus would want me to respond? Or am I just the same as I was in the past with a little bit of religion thrown in on it? You see, it was the belief of James that once our lives have been changed by Jesus, once we have been loved by Jesus 
then the way we respond to the things of life will be totally, radically changed because now the influence of Jesus on our lives causes us to look at things and to do things differently than whatever we did before we knew Jesus. He is saying this, he's saying, unless, unless there's evidence by your actions that your lives have been changed by Jesus, unless there's evidence that your life is now controlled by Jesus Christ living on the inside of you, unless that is happening, he says, unless people can see fruit hanging on your life as a result of being connected to Jesus Christ the vine, unless there is fruit of knowing Jesus seen in your life, he says, I think, I think that all you've got is dead faith, religious faith. Coming to Jesus, coming to an altar was just because you wanted a ticket to heaven. It was that now coming to Christ was just a religious thing that you did. You were just maybe following the crowd. James was saying, coming to Jesus was just now, just following the family. Your family's Christian, so you're a Christian. Your family went to church, so you go to church. And you have not come to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Young people, they need to get to a place where now they're not living off mum and dad's faith. They know Jesus for themselves. And, and many young people wrestle with that. They get to a place where they need to know for themselves that they're not following mum's faith or dad's faith. They follow in their own faith in Jesus Christ. They know Jesus for themselves. Otherwise, it's dead faith and just dead religion. You see, come into Christ. For it has never changed your life. All you have is dead faith. And so James is wanting us to see that without the evidences in our lives of Jesus living on the inside, uh, without the lifestyle changes that will take place because Jesus is living on the inside, unless it is, unless there's evidence that Christ now is the center of our lives, he is saying you're living in deception. You're living in works. You're trying to work your way to heaven. You're trying to look good and you'll never look good enough and you'll never be good enough and you'll never do enough. And he says you're living a dead faith. It is dead faith. How many know this is a bit heavy? All through the, Old Te the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament agree that coming to Christ should make a difference in every area of our lives. We're now more sensitive to sin than we were before we came to know Jesus. We have now no more longings to do the things that we used to do before we came to know Jesus. Coming to know Jesus caused us to see the evil of the day and the wrongs of our lives. And now we made a decision to follow Jesus and so we turn away from those things that we know to be sin. Coming to know Jesus, we have new desires. We want to please Jesus. We have new desires to please Jesus. We have new desires to be around other believers. We have new desires to get into God's word and to begin to live God's word. We have new desires to now meet with God in prayer every day. And, and not a formal thing, but a, a very fact of life that without talking to Jesus, we can't step into our day. And through the day, we keep on talking to God and, and we keep on communicating with heaven. When it is that we have come to know Jesus, we have new desires to now do whatever he wants us to do. That it is, it's not my career that's important, it's what he wants. It's not my way, it's not my job, it's not what I want to do. It's now what he wants in his way. Our desires change to now wanting all that God wants for my life rather than what I want for my life. Desires that will come that are new desires to help the poor and to help the broken and to help the needy And, and above all else, we'll have this huge desire that will come upon us. That every one of our family and friends and workmates that don't know Jesus, we want them to know Jesus. And don't get caught up into the lie that has crept into the church over the past few years, friends. 
The lie that says you don't need to talk about Jesus, just live the life. That is a lie from hell, friends. We've got to talk about Jesus. We've got to let people know that Jesus is alive and he can change lives. A new desire for everyone to know. See, if we really believe that we were lost and Jesus found us, if we really believe that our lives were radically forever changed by that encounter with Jesus Christ, then we also believe that everyone else should know. I used to sing a song years ago. It went like this, everyone, everybody, everybody should know. Everybody should know. I have such a wonderful Savior that everybody should know. Everything changes when I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I cannot stay the same once I've re- re- now given my life to Jesus Christ. Everything changes. Everything's transformed. It's a brand new life. It's a brand new lifestyle. Following Jesus And James says, unless I see that, all I see in you is dead faith. It's all religion. It's just going through the motions. It's just pretend. And and, and he says, don't forget, God can see and knows everything about you. He knows the secret sins. He knows the, the, the sins that you commit that you think no one else sees. He knows about it. He knows whether you've got dead faith. And then he goes on and, and talks and he says, There's another test of faith that that he calls demonic faith. You'll read it in verse 19 of chapter 2. It says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Wow. Now he's really getting in their faces. And he's getting into the face of people who say, yeah, I believe in God. But it doesn't change your life. People who say, I I believe in God. How many, you know, you can talk to people at work, you can talk to people around you, and you say, do you believe in God? And they say, yeah, I believe in God. But it doesn't affect their lives. And, and, And the fact is, I've seen it around you, friends. You know, we have this awesome privilege. I, I don't know whether you know what a privilege it is. Not everybody in the world has the privilege of being able to gather together in a room like this And to know the presence of God come upon a service. Oh no, no, no. Around the world they haven't got this. And we have this awesome privilege of meeting together and meeting in the presence of God. And God invading the atmosphere. And now God's showing up and people are healed and people are set free from demonic strongholds. That we have this awesome privilege. We have this privilege of being in the midst of the, the best of worship, a magnificent worship where we worship God and the presence of God comes down and God fills the room. We have the awesome blessing of, of hearing some dynamic preaching. I'm talking to the preachers other than myself, but the fact is that we have the awesome privilege of some dynamic preaching and we see people come to this altar week after week after week and God radically changes their lives. And we see it, and we see it, and we see it. And then I look out and I see some people who miss it all together. Just get to sit there. And have a look of, take it or leave it. Some people who have no commitment to the presence of God. People who sit and look at their watches and yawn. (laughs) That's a good sign when you're fed up with me, by the way. (laughs) Doesn't stop anything, but I can tell how you're feeling. But some who have no idea what the awesome God of the universe is doing, they don't realize that God fills the atmosphere. See, God is everywhere, friends, but there are moments where he shows up and makes his presence felt. And now he begins to change lives. And and it is, you can sit in the midst of that and not be moved. And James says, even the devils don't do that. He says, even the devils, when, when, when God turns up, when God's presence manifests, the demons shudder. 
And, and the fact is this, friends, that we can just take it or leave it. He says, I have a problem with that, says James. I have a problem with it. He said, demons are more gripped by God's presence than what you are. He said, that didn't ought to be happening. Well, he talks about dead faith. He talks about demonic faith. And then he finishes up by talking about dynamic faith. And that's what I want to finish up here with you this morning. Uh, let, let's read it. It's in verse 20 down to verse 26, James chapter 2. It says, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not your ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that uh, a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So here he is. He says, I want to show you. I want to show you what dynamic faith is. And he uses the illustration, firstly, of Abraham. And he says, now, Abraham, he not only believed God with his mind, but now he did whatever God told him to do. He says, not only did he believe in God with his mind, but whatever God wanted him to do, he would do it. Wherever God told him to go, he would go. Whatever God told him to say, he would say. He says he had this dynamic faith in God that now caused him to say, I am going to do the will of God above my own will. He said God tested him. God came to him one day and said, okay, Abraham, you say you love me. I want you to prove it. And this is what I want you to do, Abraham. I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to climb that mountain and I want you to build an altar. I want you to put wood on the altar and then I want you to put your son on the altar. I want you to sacrifice your son for me. And Abraham, he, he was absolutely shocked by the request of God. He, he was actually act, absolutely shocked that God would want that from him. But he had made the decision. I am going to obey God. I've surrendered my life to God. I'm going to do whatever he wants me to do. And even if it's my son. And so he gathered sticks and he took his son and they made their way up this mountain and he built the altar, put the wood on the altar for the fire. And then he laid his son on top of the wood and he lifted the knife to plunge it into the heart of his son. And God stopped him. God said, now I know. Now I know that you really have a dynamic faith. Now I know that I can ask you to do whatever I want you to do and to go wherever I want you to go. He says, I've just proven your faith that it is. You haven't just got head knowledge. You've got heart knowledge that now you will do whatever I want you to do. I don't want you to kill your son. He gave his son back to him. But the fact was this. He had proven that Abraham had dynamic faith in God. And then he talks about the prostitute uh, Rahab. Uh, she had a dynamic faith as well. She come to believe in the God of Israel. And she was in a city that was going to be invaded by the Israelites. And the Israelites sent some spies into the camp. And, and, and now Rahab, she took those spies into her house and hid them because there was a hunt going on for them. And she, she not only hid them, but now she made a way for them to escape. The Bible calls her a, a heroine. You see, she put her life at risk doing that. She said, I believe in God. But I haven't got a head knowledge, I've got a heart knowledge on whatever he wants me to do, wherever he wants me to go, whatever he wants me to say, I'm going to do what he wants. And she put her life at risk and she was called a woman of God. And, and the fact is this, friends, that there are, is a dynamic faith that comes 
to people who really have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. Hey, I've told you already there are folk that worry me that come along here to church. I wonder about whether they've got dead faith or dynamic faith. To be honest, there are even those who I know that I look back and I remember a time when they had dynamic faith and I don't know whether they're still there. I don't know whether they're living in that place of dynamic faith. I look at them and I think, well, I, I don't know right now. And I have a responsibility as a pastor that you don't live in dead faith, you live in dynamic faith. Huh. There are some here, there are some here who inspire me. There are some here who have such a dynamic faith that I say, I want to live like they are living. There are few people, friends, there are people here who have a love for Jesus that I see it's almost palatable and, and, and I say, I want to love Jesus like they love Jesus. There are people, there are people in this church who pray and when they pray, I say, oh, I wish I could pray like that. And there are people, there are people in this church who serve and give themselves away to bless the poor and the broken and to serve in this church. And I say, God, I want to have a servant's heart like them. I want to serve you like they serve you. I see Jesus in them, and I want that Jesus to be in me. It is that I look at some people, and I know that their life is lived in a way where it's all for Jesus. They've given up on themselves, and it's all for Jesus. They want to serve Jesus with everything that's within them. And I say, I want to be like them. There are some people who are people of integrity. When they give your, their word that they will do something, they do not draw back. They do what they say. People who have people of integrity that say, if I give my word, I will keep my word. And I say, I want to live like Jesus, like Jesus is living in them. I want to be like that. I, I see people around here who give themselves away to serve others. And I say, I want to give like that. People around here who have very little of this world's goods, but they are the top givers in this church. And I say, I want to be generous like them. I want to give like them. I want to be like that. Where it is that they put God first and God's kingdom first and they give and give and give. I want that generous spirit in me. A dynamic faith. People who inspire me to live for Jesus Christ. So let me finish here, friends. I worry about you. I'm not in this for a job. You need to know that. I'm in this by the call of God. And I worry about you. I can't rest when you're living in dead faith and not dynamic faith. Many of you tell me, you email me or you Facebook me, and you tell me that you love our church and you love our worship. Many of you tell me we love what you do for the poor and the broken and the needy. But I worry that you say it's wonderful what happens, but have you come to a dynamic faith yourself so that you are involved in what is happening? I see you here on Sundays, but I, I wonder, have they really got it yet? Has it really gone down into their hearts? Has it become life-changing? Has it become dynamic so that they're living their lives for Jesus Christ? See, I can't understand someone. I just can't understand someone who claims to be a Christian and yet curse words will still come out of their mouths and they'll take the name of the Lord in vain I have to wonder uh, what has happened there. Has anything happened in their life because there's no change that has taken place? I, I cannot understand a person calling himself or herself a Christian and, and now not living with integrity and keeping their word and following through on their promises. I, I don't understand that. I can't understand someone who calls themselves a Christian but finds it very difficult to serve someone in need and to help the poor and the broken. I have a problem with that. I, I can understand someone who is not wanting to grow in their faith and to get as much as they can of God and to get into classes that will teach them more about God. 
I, I don't understand about that. I, I don't understand people who feel they've made it. They've learned enough. They've done enough. Te- got enough teaching. It is that now you're missing it completely because we never stop learning. We never stop growing. And we still have need to grow. I can't understand. I can't understand people who call themselves Christians and they criticize and gossip. I can't understand Christians who call themselves Christians. And now they're in the place of looking down on someone because of their color or even because of their lifestyle. We're called to love, never mind what people are doing. We don't condone what they're doing, but we can't stop loving people, friends. I could go on and on, but unless Jesus is real on the inside, it's going to be very difficult for you to live the Jesus life. (laughs) See, the problem that I found is this, that those who really love Jesus, those who are living dynamic faith, they don't live for themselves, they live for Jesus. You know, I, 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 I got the feel that we are living in an it's my generation. It's my generation. You know what I mean? It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Cry if I want to. See, the real followers of Jesus, the real followers of Jesus, the people with dynamic faith, They say, it's not my party, it's his party, it's his will, it's his desire, it's his plan. It's not my way, it's his way. And they live their lives for Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to tell you that I I lived my life to the full when I was in the world. I I had fun. Anyone who tells you that being a non-Christian in the world is not fun, they're telling you a lie. I had stacks of fun. It was empty fun, but I had fun when I was in the world. But I tell you this, when I came to know Jesus and I crossed over to the other side, I found that what Jesus gave me was not only fun, it was satisfying. It was something that filled my life when I was living my life totally for Jesus, giving him everything of me and wanting his will over my will and his desire over my desire. That was real fun. Oh, but, 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 I've also been here in the middle. I call this the, midi, the, the muddy middle. All right, the muddy middle, where you're neither out here in the world or over here in the place of being totally near to God. I know what it's like. To be here in this muddy middle where you know you're not living where you should and yet you don't want to be back where you were. And I tell you, that's a miserable place to be. Oh, I tell you, I've been there. I've been there, friends. I want to tell you some of the most miserable times of my life. It, it, it was that, that I made life miserable for everyone around me. When I'm in this muddy middle of not knowing where I am, whether I'm over here in the world or I'm over here in the church and... It's the muddy middle. And in that place, I I become miserable and I become a nuisance to Letty and to my family. But when I'm here, friends, when I'm living for God, on the edge for Jesus, doing exactly what he wants me to do, I tell you, that's the place to live. You know, there are people who say, some people say this because they can't wait. (laughs) But they say, when are you going to retire? And they can't wait for me to retire. You'll wait forever. I am not going to retire. All right. <laughs> now, let me, those of you who have been waiting for me to retire, let me put your minds at rest. There will be a time when I won't be doing what I'm doing now, but I will not have retired. Because I, I believe, friends, that, that over here, when you're living this dynamic faith, you never know what the next step's going to be. You never know. And, and, and so I've come to Jesus and I've said, Jesus, you've given me this command, this order to pastor this church at Riverside. You've given me this command, this order to be the pastor of this church. Oh God, 
I am not going to move until you give me a new order. And I want you to know you are free to give me a new order whenever you like because I'm not living for myself, I'm living for you. And my life is given to him. See, I, I was 65 on Thursday. And some of you think that's burying material. You know, some of you think that 65 is burying material. You know what I mean? Nothing left. Just getting buried. <laughs> I tell you, the next years of my life are going to be the most dynamic because I'm, I am determined to follow Jesus. I am determined that I'm going to give everything that I am to him. Where he wants me to go, I'm going to go. What he wants me to say, I'm going to say. What he wants me to do, I'm going to do. I'm through with the muddy middle. And I'm going to go for Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, here's the question. You got dead faith? Maybe demonic faith? Or have you got dynamic faith? You're living in the place where it's just religion, just turning up for church. I call you submarine Christians. You come up onto the surface on a Sunday, then go back down under the water on every other day of the week and live like everybody else. And you don't live for Jesus through the week. You only live for him on Sunday. Or are you, or are you in this muddy middle where it, where it is that you've got one foot over here and I tell you, you'll end up doing the splits if you try to do that. I, I tell you. No, friends, it's got to be one thing or the other. Or maybe, maybe you've got demonic faith. You say, well, I believe in God. Well, even the devils believe that. You need to get a living faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that's going to get you to heaven is a belief that Jesus died for you on the cross, that he gave himself for you and that he wants you to live with dynamic faith. Now, Christians here, have you slipped to this lowland, what I call the lowland of this muddy middle? You need to get back into the dynamic will of God and say, I want to live dynamically for God. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask any of our prayer team that are here to come to the front, if you will. And, um, and we're going to pray in a moment. But I want you to do the test right now. Here's the test. Looks like it's me and you, Joe. <laughs> Here's the test. The test is this. Have I got dead faith? Demonic faith? Or a dynamic faith? And the fact is, the fact is, that Jesus wants us to live with a dynamic faith. He's saying, so don't, don't get stuck in this area where religion is all you've got and you're just going through the motions. Don't get into the place where you're just stuck in this muddy middle where you're neither one thing or the other. James is saying to us, I want you to be in the place of dynamic faith because when we're in the place of dynamic faith, we will change the world, friends. Hey, listen, if you want to know the answer to ISIS, if you want to know the answer to the Muslim faith, if you want to know the answer to the things that are happening that are causing us to look in wonder and say we never thought that that would ever happen, the answer is people living with dynamic faith in Jesus Christ and saying whatever it costs, wherever you take me, whatever you want me to do, I am not my own, I am yours. My life is yours. So right now, if there's anyone here that says, you know, John, if I'm really honest, all I've got is a dead faith. I I'm going to come down here. All I've got is dead faith. All I've got is religion. If I'm really honest, all I've got is religion. I just turn to church. This morning, God's calling you and saying, I want you to have a dynamic faith, a dynamic belief in what Jesus did on the cross. I want you to live for me. If that's you, I want you to come and join me at the front right now. You're saying, I've, I, I've been living with a dead faith and, and I want to come alive this morning. I want to have dynamic faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave the past. I want a dynamic faith. I'm, I'm not living by what my family has. I'm not living by what my friends have. I want my own living faith, dynamic faith 
in Jesus Christ. God bless you. God bless you. It's time for you to come. I know it's a big, big thing to admit. I need dynamic faith. I'm living with dead faith at the moment. That's right. The Holy Spirit is people are coming to the altar, leaving the past behind and saying, I want to live with a dynamic trust in Jesus Christ. That's right. If there's anything in your heart saying you need to be down at that altar, you need to get up and come. Lord Jesus. I'm leaving the past behind. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow him for the rest of my days. God bless you. Bless you. There's people still coming to the altar. If there's anyone else, you please come. I'm waiting for you. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. saying, I don't know what it's going to mean, what it's going to cost, but I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. Now let me talk to people out there. Listen to me carefully. You are out there. They're praying here. We're going to pray for them in a moment. But if you slip to the low land, to the muddy land, And you say, Jesus, I need to come back to the place of dynamic faith. I need to surrender everything to you. Lord Jesus, I'm coming right now. I want you to just stand where you are right now. You're saying, yes, God bless you. God bless you. Saying, Jesus, I know what it is to have had dynamic faith, but I've lost it. I've lost it somewhere. You just stand right now where you are say, I surrender it all back to him. I'm giving it all back to God. That's right. I see you in the balcony standing. See you under the balcony. God bless you. God is speaking to your hearts. If there's anything within you saying to get on your feet, you get on your feet right now. Don't resist the power of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you. He wants to take you to a new level. Just surrender everything to him right now. Say, I'm giving it up to you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, in your name. Don't be distracted. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Now, Father. All of you are at the front. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Pray it out loud, right? Everyone join in together. And you are standing on your feet. You can pray it as well. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I want a dynamic faith. Will you forgive my past? I walk away from my past. I surrender my life to you. I will serve you for the rest of my days. I will not turn back. I will not cool down. I will keep the fire burning in my heart. I love you, Jesus. I am your child and I will follow you. I will go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I will not be silent. 
I will be your servant. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my past and giving me a future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, now before we close, according to the clock, I've got two minutes. It'll only take me two minutes. You know, on Easter Sunday, all right, Easter Sunday, we are going to have one amazing service that will, that will have a surprise element to it. But I'm going to, we're going to do baptisms that day, on that day, all right? Now, if you've come forward and you said, I have come forward to find a dynamic faith in Jesus Christ, the real sign that you really mean it is that you get baptized. Oh, and we don't sprinkle you with water. We dunk you under. You go right under. In fact, if you've been a real bad sinner, I hold you under for five. No, I don't. No, no. But the thing is, I want, I want you to now mark the moment. Say, on that Sunday in February, I surrendered my life to Jesus. And on Easter Sunday, I'm going to be baptized. And I'm going to mark it as the point where I will follow Jesus forever. Amen. At the tables, each end of this altar or tables, there's some cards. If you fill them out and put the card in the box, and it will tell us that you've made this decision today, but you've also decided you want to be baptized as well, all right? And we'll get in touch with you. Uh, it'll ask you for your phone number or your email address. Just fill that out before we go. Now, let's all stand, friends, and, and we're going to commit ourselves to the Lord. Oh, we love you, Jesus. How many are you glad you've been in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Father, it's been an awesome privilege to be in your presence. Oh, you are an awesome, awesome God. You love us enough that you won't leave us alone. You keep disturbing our comfort. And you keep drawing us back into your love and drawing us to this place of dynamic faith. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, we go out determined to represent your kingdom. We go out determined to stand for Jesus and to let the world know that Jesus is alive and well and that he can change people's lives. Father, go with us, I pray. Bless us as we go. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Go with the power of God. Amen.